0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay.
0: It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're
1: going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the Internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. A ton of draft talk to get to on today's show. CBS Sports' Chris Trapaso, who covers the draft for them is a great evaluator of talent. He was all over. A.J. Brown last year had him as the number one receiver in the class, and guess what? He was the number one receiver in the class, at least as a rookie. And I know that's just one year of data, but he is someone who always thinks outside the box. He is not afraid to go against the grain. It's one of the reasons that I find his work so compelling because he's going to tell you what he believes and not couch it through the lens of what Draft Twitter thinks or what the consensus is in what I like to call the draft industrial complex. It is also good to get his perspective from my point of view because I haven't seen as many of these guys yet. I've gotten through most of the top receivers. I've started on the linebackers in anticipation of our show. I think the next uh, offseason report card we'll do is on linebackers because I think that's the second most important position to fans, trying to figure out where Green Bay goes from here. Blake Martinez likely to walk. Who are the options in free agency, if any? What are the options in the draft? Where is Green Bay going to have to allocate capital? So, We'll talk to Chris a little bit about those players and what he thinks would be a sound strategy for attacking Green Bay's needs as they look toward the NFL draft. But I want to start the show today with a little fun, and I know that that some people are going to take it a little too seriously, but it's always fun in the offseason to dream a little big, to go a little pie in the sky and think about, oh, what if, and we just happen to have the perfect opportunity to do that today. On Wednesday, Shel Kapadia from The Athletic, who is one of the best NFL writers that we have, put together a list of bold predictions. And part of the reason you do it is, is to have some fun. It's more about identifying weak spots or strengths and trying to project out, to extrapolate a little bit What is the most extreme version of this team dealing with problem X? And for the Packers, his bold idea was to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Now, just before we even get into the wisdom part of this, what would the mechanics of something like that be? Could it work? And the answer from a a contract standpoint is it would actually be quite easy. Because of the guaranteed money. Right now, if the Browns traded him, let's say the Browns traded him and and they have a new coach, they have a new GM, so a regime change could decide no matter what Kevin Stefanski is saying, no matter what Haslam is saying, no matter what any of these guys are saying, and you always have to be worried about the dreaded vote of confidence, it is certainly possible that someone like Odell Beckham could be dealt. And we know this because he was just traded after the team said we didn't sign him to trade him and guess what they did. They signed him and traded him from a contractual standpoint, though, Odell Beckham is under contract for four more years and under contract for four more years at a reasonable price. 14 million, 14 and a half million, 13.75, 13.75 for a legitimate number one superstar receiver that is a bargain and will only look better further into the contract and and sure in 2 years if he's having uh, you know great years and producing at a high level he may want a new deal maybe that is true but the next 2 years are the the peak prime of your window to win super bowls so is it a risk worth taking you're not having to eat huge sums of contract Or worry about big guaranteed money. If he doesn't work out in a year, cut him. Or trade him again and see what you can get for him. Because he is not Antonio Brown in he will make it so toxic beyond the football field. With not just his behavior on social media, but his behavior in real life. And doing things that are straight up against the law. Or being alleged to have done things that were against the law. Odell Beckham is a combustible personality, but a supreme talent. And if you're the Packers, one of the reasons you build a culture is to absorb personalities. Zanaria Smith has a big personality. Preston Smith has a big personality. J.R. Alexander has a big personality. But they're not disruptive. They all channel it in a positive way. Now, we know OBJ doesn't always do that. But the Patriots have made a living on this kind of thing. They are able to absorb big personalities. Chad Johnson comes in, and he is not a problem. He does the things the right way. He just didn't have it in his legs anymore to be successful in New England. They were able to maximize those players because you come in, there's an expectation of a certain level of professionalism, and people, when everyone's following the culture, you tend to fall in line. Let me give you an example. Growing up, I went to public school first through eighth grade, and it was the cool thing at my middle school for people to act like they didn't care about school. It was the cool thing to say, oh, I didn't study for the test. Oh, I didn't do the homework. And a lot of the people who were saying that were, were lying, by the way. <laughs> they definitely studied and they definitely did the homework. Because for a little while, I was not doing either because I thought that's just what everyone was doing. And all of a sudden, I got a progress report. and It's like, oh, you have a C. And it's like, wait, well, you, you don't. but I do. You were lying about the thing. And then I got to high school and I went to private high school. And this is not a, a public versus private thing. But I went to a high school where everyone did their homework and everyone studied for the test. Now, some people still lied about it and acted like they didn't study when you knew they did, but it wasn't a cool thing to not do your homework. It wasn't a cool thing to slack off in school because you were a loser if you did that. Even the quote-unquote cool kids versus the quote-unquote nerds, it wasn't like that. Everyone did the work because everyone understood what you were working toward, and that was college, that was a successful career, etc. When you build a culture like that, You can take someone who's not used to that culture. And Odell Beckham is, we know, not used to that culture. It was not a professional atmosphere in Cleveland. It was toxic. It was poorly run. There was no leadership on that team. Green Bay has leadership. And from a talent standpoint, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. He is exactly the kind of receiver they could use, someone who can be a matchup nightmare in one-on-one situations, can create down the field. Imagine Odell Beckham on slants, on screens, and on shot plays. Just those three things. He could have 70 catches for 1,400 yards on just those three things and probably 12 touchdowns. That's how explosive he is. Devontae Adams already said it. Let's turn that face mask green. Now, does that mean they're going to do it? Of course not. That is that is no guarantee of anything. It does show a willingness from Adams to say, I'm willing to give up some of my shine for this team to be better, for the whole to be made better. That speaks to his character, but also speaks to a willingness to play with OBJ. And that takes away another excuse that would be like, oh, well, we already have Devontae. That's what I, that's what I hear from fans. Oh, well, the, you know, Devontae Adams. He's already the number one. But why not have a 1B and someone who is that good? He is that good. Yes, he probably wants to be in L.A., probably wants to be somewhere where he can, you know, make movies and be in the fashion scene and do that. You can do that in the offseason. And maybe he wouldn't be on as many magazine covers in Green Bay, but he'd win a lot more football games. And at a certain point, every player comes to the realization that you, you either care about your football legacy or you don't. And if you care about your football legacy, you have to have the awareness to say, I'm going to be judged on not just my play, but whether or not I contributed to winning and whether or not my team did win. And doesn't Odell want to win? Doesn't he want to compete for a Super Bowl? And doesn't he want to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback? Doesn't he want to play with someone like Aaron Rodgers and be adored like he would be in Green Bay. Packer fans would immediately love him, and there would be some people who would act like, oh, no, I don't want him. I'm out. Fine. Most of Packer Nation, most of Cheesehead Nation, would embrace him because they love football. They don't love anything like they love football, and they love the Packers. They would adore him, and he wouldn't have to worry about it. He wouldn't have to worry about the fans complaining about him, although, you know, some would. And he wouldn't have to worry about the tabloids. He wouldn't have to worry about the media getting in his business or complaining about what he's doing. He could just go play football. And at a certain point, you have to decide, in the immortal words of of Marshawn Lynch, if you're about that action. Either you are or you aren't. I know there there are concerns about attitude and all that stuff. I don't care. I really don't care. He is that talented. He's not a bad guy. He is a modern professional athlete who who does care about social media, who does care about the trappings of fame, who does care about his image. But you know what else he cares about? His team winning. He does care about winning because he gets pissed when they don't win. The reason he gets upset, I always made this case about Dez. Dez got upset on the Cowboys' sidelines because they were not playing well enough. This is a really good Packers team. If you add Odell, they become the favorite. They should go out and win 13 games and win this Super Bowl. And if you're winning, no reason for anyone to be upset. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league.
0: Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, let's get to our conversation now with Chris Trapasso. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. He's an NFL draft writer at CBSSports.com. Chris, thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers. It is always great to talk to you.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Peter.
1: So I was I was reading your, your last mock draft, and one of the things that I really appreciate you about you is that you are not afraid to think outside the box. You are not going to succumb to the groupthink of – the NFL Twitter industrial complex, as I like to call it. And that that led you to, at 30, a TCU defensive lineman, Ross Blacklock. This is not going to make Packer fans happy. They are desperate for a receiver. So give me a little bit of insight. Sell me on Blacklock.
0: Well, sure. I mean, first, the player itself, um, he's going to have, uh, once people really start to get around to watching him and, Daniel Jeremiah has talked about this a little bit um, on his Instagram, that he has the best first step of any defensive like interior player in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Derek Brown, there's Javon Kinlaw, but you just watch a TCU game and watch number 98 and you see insane first step and the ability to sustain that speed through the line of scrimmage into the backfield. A little bit, you see a swim move, a swipe move, so the pass rushing moves are are there too. He's listed at like 6'3", 6'4", over 300 pounds, and really looking at the Packers roster, after Kenny Clark, I know Dean uh, Lowry has played well at times. Um, They could probably use another, I mean, it's been obviously very defensive line heavy with bringing in the Smiths um, last offseason, but just in terms of down linemen, on the inside, I think he would make a lot of sense. Maybe not a traditional three-four end, but Mike Patton's using as much nickel as you know any other defensive coordinator. So you just need good pass rushers on the inside. And why I didn't go receiver—I had seven in my first round. Um, I'm not at all thinking that teams toward the back end of the first round—Eagles, Bills, Ravens, Packers—aren't um, going to consider wide receiver in the first round. But this. Group that we've already heard so much about how um, loaded the receiver class is. It's not just because of Jerry Judy and CD Lamb and maybe even T Higgins. Um, it's because of the depth. The mm-hmm. second and third round are prospects Brian Edwards, Isaiah Hodgins, KJ Hamler. There's like guys that would probably be first rounders in any other draft class, but will probably be pushed down to the second or third round where I think some of the more savvy front offices will say, hey, we need to address other spots, um, and then we'll still be able to get an instant impact wide receiver. And we've seen a lot of these day-two wide receivers come in, especially this past year's class, and be really good players right away. You don't have to go first round at the receiver spot to get a good player there.
1: Yeah, fascinating to think about all of the guys last year. This is something I was I was talking about on Twitter yesterday. It's... it's Easier than ever to find a rookie receiver to come in and and give you impactful snaps. What, four playoff teams had uh-huh. rookie receivers play huge roles in their offense? And yet we saw uh, a, a meager number, a fraction of what we're going to see in, in this year's draft go in the first round. You can find A.J. Brown. DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, I know he was, I think he was the 33rd pick or the 35th pick or something like that. It's it. You, you want to be able to use premium draft capital, but it doesn't need to be a first round pick. So if the Packers are looking at 62 at a receiver and they feel like they can wait, like they did in 2014 with Devontae Adams in a deep draft class there, who are some of the players who could be there that you would like for them in that late second round range?
0: Yeah, I think K.J. Hill from Ohio State, uh, having a similar type of early portion of the pre-draft process that Terry McLaurin had, mm-hmm. he's another one. Day two pick last year that was the best wide receiver around yep. the Redskins last uh, this past season with the quarterback situation wasn't great. Really good route runner. I think you could look at it through a Packers lens and say Randall Cobb-esque that he's not going to burn it down the field, but he's going to get open. He's going to be a reliable sure. underneath player a savvy route runner, never a crazy producer at Ohio state, but was, you know, a lot of talent around him um, was just a reliable chain mover. I think he would make sense. Uh, Gabriel Davis is a name that I think Packers fans should really get to know from UCF mm-hmm. um, really springy. You can see his steps are, are, are sudden off the line, got down the field a ton in that offense. They like to stretch it vertically. Um, he's not as raw as you know, those, group of three um, bigger wide receivers that they picked um, later in the draft in 2018, or the two, uh, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, um, Jamon Moore, and um, Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. But I think he gives you more ability to get open at the intermediate levels, and he's really good after the catch. He's a name that's really kind of buried in this class, but probably is going to be over 6'2", over 200 pounds, test well, and be sitting there at potentially – Pick number 62. One other name, Isaiah Hodgins mm-hmm. um, from Oregon State. Kind of reminds me, he's not as big, but reminds me of Alan Lazard, who I, by the way, loved in 2018. I have no idea yep. how he went undrafted. Um, bigger body, contested catches, huge catch radius, not stiff, can run routes, can get open, good down the field, good blocker on the outside too. So I think he's another one. Maybe even in the third round or fourth round would be available if the Packers decide to go a different position in the first couple of rounds of this draft.
1: Yeah, and one thing that that I've seen a lot as I was doing these mocks and the you know the, the draft network has that great mock draft tool is yeah. it seems like even in the fourth round, you can find someone that you feel like, hey, this guy's got a, a shot to come in and, and give you snaps. I mean, the, the player that I keep looking at that I feel like would just be such a great packer because he reminds me of James Jones is someone like Tyler Johnson who you can probably get on day 3 not going to test great but all he did at Minnesota was produce are there some day 3 guys that that you th- cuz I think the Packers could double up I think they could go second for you know you look at 2014 they went second round then Jared Abradaris on day 3 and then Jeff Janis in the 7th round so who are some of those you know mid-round guys that you think could be interesting receivers who could come in and and have the potential, at least, to be impactful players in some role in the NFL.
0: Yeah, as like that number three or or number four guy, which we're seeing is becoming a more valuable position because every team is using Mm -hmm. three wide receivers and at times four and five wide receivers. Um, Quintez Cephas right in their backyard from Wisconsin. I don't think he's going to test well, um, but you just saw him in obviously a pretty run-heavy offense. Make plays down the field, so I think he does have a little bit of juice um, beyond the intermediate level. Bigger body, um, especially down the stretch in some of their bigger games and in that Rose Bowl. We saw how aggressive he is at the catch point. Knows how to kind of box out, use his body against uh, smaller cornerbacks. Probably fifth, sixth, seventh round, I I think that would make um, a lot of sense for them. And then for the underneath guy, kind of the opposite player, James Prochet, from SMU. I I thought he was awesome his entire career at SMU. I remember watching him when it was Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn there. And there was this little slot receiver that kind of played running back at times, was always getting open. And this past year as a senior um, went over 90 catches and over 1100 yards um, and showed off this out of nowhere, this gigantic, catch radius that he will like literally dive and make catches that are well outside of his frame has very very good hands probably going to run somewhere in the four fives even if he ran like four six flat that wouldn't surprise me doesn't seem super fast he's just under six foot around 190 pounds so he's another one fifth sixth round you know you're getting a player and he produced all four years Mm -hmm. at smu you know that you're getting a reliable player that knows how to beat press at the line with good wiggle, uses his hands, is going to catch everything. And after the catch, he can you know turn a, a five-yard pass into an eight or a nine-yard gain. I think that would make sense if the Packers want to kind of control the clock a little bit more with their extension of their running game by using an underneath target. James Prochet would make a lot of sense on day three of the draft.
1: Yeah, they do. They just didn't have the personnel last mm-hmm. year to do it. One of the yeah. things Matt LaFleur likes to do is he wants – he, I compare it to the Houston Rockets. He wants layups and threes. He wants the, those yep. quick, super quick screen passes and, and those one-step drops, and he wants to take shots, uh, which, by the way, I, I love that way of playing, um, although I don't like the Houston Rockets way of playing. Oh. <laughs> one position that I noticed is... Um, I think conspicuously absent from your, your latest mock is that linebacker position, a place that, that Green Bay I think will be looking or at least considering in the first round. You have Isaiah Simmons. It's a little even unfair to call him a linebacker because he can play anywhere you want him to, to play. But Kenneth Murray, not in the mix. Patrick Queen, not in the mix. Is that more about those players for you? Is that about what you feel about these other guys? Where are you on this linebacker class?
0: I'm a little down on it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the athletic, I love the, the athleticism that Kenneth Murray gives you, that he is, to me, even twitchier than Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons has more range because he's just longer and just faster in a straight line, and is not a stiff athlete. Kenneth Murray's click and close on the football is up there with Devin White and Devin Bush that we saw yeah. go in the first round last year. Oklahoma just didn't really use him in coverage. He was a quarterback spy. He was a blitzer. I think he's good in, in those two regards. So, if that's what the Packers want, I, I would totally get behind that pick in the first round because you're having this, you know, supreme athlete that you, yeah, you have to kind of teach him, uh, you know, dropping in zone, or you're not really sure what you're going to get from him in man to man coverage, but you have all the physical tools. Um, and Patrick Queen kind of came out of nowhere when I, I have to finish yeah. my grade on him. Have him in like the second round now. He's very small. Like, I'm all for smaller linebackers in today's NFL, but like six foot and 220, and that might even be a stretch for him. Um, <laughs> really good sniffing out screens, but I didn't see him make a ton of plays down the field in coverage. And I know with Blake Martinez, the big reason why the Packers, it's kind of a formality that they're going to let him go, is that he was good against the run, but he just couldn't cover. Yeah, and that's you need true. coverage linebackers. Um, the one guy I would say, if he has a good combine, that I do believe um, can cover well because he was asked to do it, Troy Die from Oregon. Mm-hmm. He's actually my highest graded linebacker right now, and, and it's just kind of uh, an indicator of how much I emphasize the coverage ability in my linebacker grades, he's not as twitchy as Kenneth Murray. Doesn't have as much range as Isaiah Simmons, um, but there are some plays, and and he was you know a high producer at Oregon for multiple seasons, where he's reading a route concept, knows that there's a crosser behind him, and reads the quarterback eyes and makes a play in zone or is running with a a wheel route out of the backfield and has just enough speed and athleticism to get there. He's 6'4", or right around there, 6'4", 230, 240 pounds. So he's got a sleek, big frame. I I don't think he's going to test well because he doesn't look like this crazy athlete. But maybe even in the second round at that pick number 62, that if the Packers are like, hey, we like you, Blake Martinez, but we need more coverage ability – Troy die from Oregon, maybe in the first round if he blows up at the combine, but probably in the second round, I think the Packers could get someone that's not going to be super flashy, but you're just not going to see a lot of completions, to tight ends, or as many to running backs as we saw against the Packers this year.
1: I have a, a little bit of a theory on this draft class, and you have studied it more than I have to this point, and, and in general will study it more than I, than I will. Um, but because of the receiver depth in this class, my early assessment is that it would be wise for the Packers to consider, as you did, a defensive lineman or a linebacker in the first, and then address some of those receiver needs. I mean, if if they wanted to to reach a little bit in your in your estimation for someone like Kenneth Murray, and then get a, a receiver in in the later rounds, is that does that make sense given the the shape of this draft?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that, and, and like any time that I have put any off-ball linebacker in the first round, not named Isaiah Simmons, that's kind of been my thought process for that team, whether it was the Baltimore Ravens, whether it was the Packers, um, is that I I think that the smarter front offices picking later in the draft are going to say, okay, well, the the cream of the crop at the receiver position is gone by, say, pick 20 or 21 where the Eagles are. Um, So let's address another spot that might not be as deep. And then, like you mentioned, with Devontae Adams, with Randall Cobb, um, that the Packers have been a team that have gone into that second and third yep. round and picked. Jordy Nelson, so I, Greg Jennings, yeah, exactly. James there's Jones. A lot it's crazy. Of, yeah, geez, there's, <laughs> there's way more that I wasn't, that weren't popping into my head right away. But yeah, that, that, so I think that their front office, um, if any knows that you can still get good players, then it would be the Packers. You still have Aaron Rodgers throwing them the football. You still have a good offensive line. Um, so that's why I think if they want Kenneth Murray, I would not bash the pick because unless I'm totally missing someone and I, I'm not going to say I've watched every single linebacker that's draft eligible, obviously, but it's just not a elite or even really that great of a linebacker class. There's going to be some guys that test well, that get pushed up, but yep. in terms of making plays on the football in coverage, um, which yeah, there's going to be splash plays behind the line of scrimmage, which yes, you need to be good against the run, but the, Good linebackers are separated from the great ones and the elite ones by how they play in coverage. And I didn't really see anyone outside of um, Isaiah Simmons and then at times Troy Dye that were great in that area. So it would make sense if you really need linebacker to go get him early and then pick a wide receiver later.
1: I'm I'm glad we agree on that. It makes me feel better about that take. Chris, I appreciate you joining me. uh, And let my listeners know if they're not already following the work that you do, not already following you on Twitter, I'll let them know where they can find more of that stuff. Cause it is great stuff.
0: Yes. Yeah, cbsportscom slash NFL slash draft is where you can find pretty much all my draft work over the next couple of months. And then I'm on Twitter at Chris Trapasso.
1: Chris, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again before the draft.
0: All right. Sounds good, Peter. Thank you.
1: All right. I want to thank Chris for joining the show again. Always great to talk to him fascinating that that he is not as as high on the linebackers. I have started my linebacker study and I'm feeling the same way. Now, if one of those guys is there at 30, I think either Queen or Murray would be worth the 30th pick. Although, I'm I'm not as high on Queen as I thought I would be going into the the tape study. He's extremely athletic. I don't want to spoil too much of our linebacker offseason report card series, but I'm, I'm not as excited about it as I was. It may turn out that Murray is just the guy. And if they can't get Murray, you take a receiver and you figure out the linebacker situation later. There are players further down the draft board who could make sense. And there's always going to be cuts. There's going to be June 1 cuts. There's going to be options out there for the Packers. So we'll see how they go about it. We're going to be back tomorrow. A short show for this Friday. Get to some of your questions and, and get out of here just clean up odds and ends as we get to the end of the week. A little bit of news if there is some, and and we'll look to answer those nagging questions that you have, those draft scenarios, free agent options, whatever it is. Go check that out. If you haven't signed up for the Locked on Packers newsletter, go do that. It should be out if you don't already have it. Go sign up, but it's in your inboxes if you are a Locked on Packers newsletter subscriber. It's got original analysis in it and the best content from around the internet that means packers news the athletic espn everywhere we find the best information and content around the packers and send it to you so you don't have to go look for it so go check that out as well and follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find Locked On Packers and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. Thanks for
0: listening to the Locked On Podcast Network but why stop now?